One of the best feelings in life is feeling anchored. When the waves of life come, you stay confident, stable, and secure. So how do we stay connected in a world full of distractions? We think honest conversations can help. I'm Allie. And I'm Lemmy's. Two friends who just want to chat about how to be our best selves. Thanks for joining us. This is Anchored in Life. Guess what we're doing? (gasps) Oh my (laughs) gosh, it's recording. What is going on? We try to do a podcast about doing hard things and then the podcast recording becomes the hard thing. Oh my gosh. That was what we call a pressure cooker moment. We passed. Neither one of us lost our cool. It's almost midnight and that's the dedication. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. This is when I'm most alive, but I have had to come down to planet Earth and realize that with the life that I have, I can't be going to bed at like 1 a.m. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. We can now do our podcast now that technology is not against us. We are talking about doing hard things, which the irony is killing me. We thought of this when we were together in San Diego running a half marathon. So we want to talk about what does hard mean and what we have to tell ourselves and what our inner voice says. So I'm going to go through a series of questions and we're just going to talk about it and we hope you enjoy. So first thing, what does hard mean to you, Lenise? Like when I say, have you done a hard thing? What is the first thing that comes to mind when you try to explain what that means to you? Well, that's a tough question. I think everyone has different experiences and challenges that they face in life. I think the one thing that many people find challenging is just stepping out of their comfort zone, trying something new. That can be scary to take risks and try something new, but it can also be incredibly rewarding and and leading to personal growth too. You know, I was thinking hard and long about this question. You know, what is the hard thing? And we're going to get into physical hard and mental hard. You know, I thought about co-steering and I've, I've spoken with you about that, Allie, when I was in Wales. And it's just this combination of climbing the side of the Welsh coast and then diving into the frigid waters as you work your way around. Then I thought about running a marathon, having a child. Yeah. Getting married. There are a lot of hard things, but I I guess I would say parenting. Parenting is hard because just when you think you have the hang of it, there's another phase. There's the pregnancy, there's your infant child, there's your toddler child, and then teenager. And I try not to complain too much because my mother raised me by herself. She often had to work two jobs. She only had the help of my grandmother until she died. And so I tell myself, you know, I have a husband who's very present. And when our children were littles, we had nannies too. And and we had friends, even though we were strangers in a new city, we, we had people in the area to help us. And it was just my mom. And she managed to do what was very difficult, raising a daughter uh, by herself in the city of Detroit. It's a hard question. I'm curious what you think is hard. 
Well, I agree because as I was thinking about it and as you were just saying your answer just now, I think when I initially think of something hard, I think of something that's pretty short-lived. But you were just explaining raising children, which is not short-lived. But when I think of doing a hard thing, I'm thinking that it's like a marathon where it has a clear start and a clear end. But then for me, I could think of this last two-ish years that I've had battling depression and my mental health and just where I stand after COVID and everything, that was hard too, but there was never a clear beginning and there I can't really think of a clear end. So when I'm trying to describe something hard, for me, it's usually going to be something that didn't have a long life. So the first thing that came to my mind was the marathon. And I think that's why it also came to mind to talk about physical versus mental, Mm -hmm. because I am learning how much my mental talk and everything that happens in my brain (laughs) affects my body. Positive vibes, positive vibes. What do I think I can do versus what am I telling myself I can do and unraveling all those thoughts while I'm trying to do the hard physical thing? It's all really complicated. I don't like thinking about the hard things that last a long time. Like you said, raising kids or marriage If I sit and think and think and think about it, it does give me a little bit of anxiety. So I think that's why my brain automatically goes to, no, it has a beginning and an end and then it's over and then on to the next hard thing. And that's what I always tell people about running. You really just have to take that first step. And it it depends on what you are telling yourself. There's a quote uh, from Henry Ford and it's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. If you're constantly telling yourself, I can't do this, well, then no, you're not going to do this. That half marathon that we did, 13.1 miles in the beautiful city of La Jolla, was a gorgeous experience, but it was difficult. It was difficult because we had to summit through Torrey Pine State Park, (laughs) climbing the edge of that, what I call a mountain. Um, cliff, yeah. You know, and you have to tell yourself one foot in front of the other. It's just one more step. And whatever pain and discomfort you are feeling, know that it's temporary. And when it's over, you will be better for it. Change. I am changed from it in a lot of ways. My legs were changed from it for about two days. <laughs> but... Mentally, I'm changed from it. So let's let's talk about that real quick because we're going to give an example of a hard thing that we've done recently. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the marathon because something kind of out of the norm happened for me. For everyone who doesn't know, we ran this together, but I want to be clear that we were not running together. Lanise and I started at the starting line together and then I met her at the finish line is basically what happened. So you're not around me as this is happening. That's what I want to be clear about. I took too much time looking ahead because of how much I psyched myself out beforehand. Like, oh no, that looks like a hill. That looks like a really long hill. Oh my gosh, I don't know how long that hill is. The second I felt the incline, I started panicking. Legit panicking. Could not breathe. I had enough wherewithal to call my husband before the incline started because for some reason I just had this feeling that I was going to get really worked up about it. And I had been emotional the whole time. Maybe that's what happens when you've trained and trained and trained for something and then you're doing it and you're very aware of that. I think I was getting emotional as people were cheering us on and we were going through those little neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. there were people outside their houses and there were little kids and I was just getting really emotional. So I already had that lump in my throat. And the incline started and I panicked and I and my husband could hear me doing that 
panic attack breathing where you cannot get oxygen into your lungs. Mm. And so he started helping me with that because he's helped me with that many times before, unfortunately. I kept thinking about why did you just panic all of a sudden? You've you can run up a hill. You can do this. But for some reason, my mind told my body immediately in that moment that it's over. Because I think what happened is my goal was not to walk. I don't know who in the many racers that we were with didn't walk because not only was it very steep, but it was steep for a while. And at the end of the day, miles a while. (laughs) Yes. Miles a while. Yes. And you're ultimately burning more energy trying to run up it than you are just digging your feet in and walking. But for some reason, me walking was you failed. Mm. All your training was for nothing because look at you. Now you're walking. Yeah. I think that's where the panic came from. It's like, why is there a hill? I can't run up hills for that long. And this isn't like, this isn't going to be over very soon. So I'm going to have to walk. And Nathaniel, my husband was telling me to walk Mm. and I did. And I felt better and everything was fine, but it was just, it was so weird. I got so emotional. I couldn't breathe. You know, I don't think people knew I was on the phone. So they thought I was like, hyperventilating and talking to myself, they're probably like, is she okay? (laughs) Where's this girl's friend? How come she just left her? That's never happened to me in any sort of competition setting. I don't really panic. Somebody gets in a car accident in front of me, I'm getting out of the car and helping that person. No, I don't know how, but I'm going to. I don't freeze in emergency situations. I do something. And so that was so out of character for me too. And I think it was just that goal setting of being so proud of myself one moment and then... My mind switching to your failure. Well, and and in your case, that nervousness and that anticipation and anxiety, it paralyzed you. Um, the good thing is, as you said, you knew you knew it was coming, and so you made the call to your hubby to help walk you through it. But on the flip side, and this is what I always tell people: sometimes feeling nerves. That can be a good sign that you care about what you're doing. You just want to do well. And when you care Mm -hmm. about something, you're more likely to put in the effort and the energy that's needed to succeed. Um, So I'm always careful to tell people, don't get rid of the nerves. Don't try to tuck them in a pocket. Try channeling that energy into something positive and productive. And in your case, instead of saying, I'm not going to walk, it's I'm not going to stop. Because still Mm -hmm. walking, let me tell you for anyone listening, (laughs) listen, still walking is like running, okay? Because you are on an incline. And that in itself, the fact that you are out there, be proud of yourself. And one of the things that I do, and, and you mentioned this also in terms of pep talks, I congratulate myself. And that has been a change. I'm so competitive and I don't like to lose and I don't like to disappoint myself. And so I will be my worst critic and I'll say things like, you can do better than that. Uh, You've got this. Um, You know, even with our first podcast and and my audio was muffled, I was so bothered (laughs) by that. And I'm like, this is not like you. What are you doing? Well, sometimes it's not always going to be perfect. And that's where the best lessons come from. And you have Mm -hmm. to be able to congratulate yourself for even just thinking about doing it. 
say, good job, you're walking, you haven't stopped, good job, you're out here. The more you say it, the easier it will be to hear. That's a good point. Practice makes perfect. What's your hard thing? I tell you, it's parenting. And the biggest thing is that I'm not doing a good enough job. That's what you're telling yourself or? That's not necessarily telling myself, but it's how I feel. So we have a 16-year-old and super smart, super athletic, the highest integrity of anyone I know. Very handsome. I had to put that out there. (laughs) But there are times when I wonder, you know, am I doing the best? And no, there isn't a manual. And yes, I know that there are hundreds of thousands of parenting books out there, but every situation is different. And I also feel like this time that we're in, Allie, this climate, it's very challenging. And so what I have tried to do is to just now be honest. I am learning to say, you know what? I am doing the best I can. I'm trying to help you the best way I know how. If that's not working, let's talk about this. We have family meetings now so that we can put all of our heads together and all of our thoughts to try to come up with the best situation because I can give you advice on what I think is going to be the best situation, but ultimately you're the one who's going to have to follow through with the action because you're the one who's going to be faced with the consequences of said action. And I guess more of what I feel is that I just want them to succeed. And I know that My husband and I are the foundation for that. So parenting, it's hard. It's so hard. Well, the difference between yours and mine is that I'm not dealing with a marathon on a daily basis. I can make metaphors all day long for it. But at the end of the day, I am not replicating that exact thing that I did over and over again, right? So I get to reflect, I get to train again, and then I get to do it again. Your example, you can't escape it. I mean, you are living in it every day. So when your hard thing is something like that, do you feel like you learn and then build, learn and then build, and you just get better and better and better because you're wiser? Well, we're always growing constantly. And I don't ever consider myself to be wise. I just consider myself to have lived. And with that comes experience. So I like to think that every day I'm a better parent, but who knows? I think you are. I'm not around you all the time, but that's my observance. You're kind. (laughs) Well, when you started, you said comfort zone. And one of the words that I wrote down about this topic was hard for me is uncomfortable. And that can mean mentally or physically. You just never want to step into something uncomfortable willingly. It just seems unnatural to just go, yeah, that sounds great. I want to do that really uncomfortable thing. The reason I occupy my mind so much is because I don't want to think about it being uncomfortable. And I know that I'm just better if I don't psych myself out. We were driving to the marathon and what we were seeing mile five, (laughs) mile six, and then we were seeing the hill like, no, that can't possibly be it. I kept going on and on about this hill. (laughs) Where is it? I need to know. And you kept being like, I just look down. I look down and I don't really look like that far ahead. 
I don't understand what that means. Now I understand what that means. I should have taken that advice because that's what catapulted my mind into that spiral so quickly was I was just staring at it for 10 minutes before I even got there. That's how I am in life too. If you let me sit with my thoughts, they'll be negative on their own and then I'll just spiral. But if I'm distracted or I'm around people that I love or I'm doing something positive, then I I don't even allow those thoughts in and then I can't spiral and I'm better that way. Yeah. And I make a lot of comparisons to running because I enjoy it so much. And it is a habit of mine to look down. I'm looking at my feet. Often I will, I'll zone out, but I'll, I'll look around too at just like what I'm seeing. If I happen to hear someone cheering, which along a race you will, and it kind of snaps you out of, out of your zone. Um, but you, for me, I don't like looking ahead because I can see the incline. I can see that there's a decline. And all of that is going to have an impact on the way I run. And it shouldn't. You should just be concentrating on putting one foot in front of the other. And I think that that applies with any situation that you're facing that's hard. I went to a reflexologist just last week. And as she was putting this pressure on the bottom of my foot, trying to determine if I had any congestion that needed to be worked out, she's asking me to scale the pressure, the pain that I'm feeling in the heel of my foot. And she said, is it a three? Is it a four? Is it a five? And I said, well, I'm not focusing on it because if I focus on it, then I recognize that there's a problem. And if I recognize there's a problem, I'm instantly going to try to fix that problem. Mm -hmm. So I'm not thinking about it. And she says to me, I get it. Mind over matter. That's important. But I need you to tell me if this is hurting you. <laughs> and I really, Allie, I really had to think about it. It was very, very interesting. I think that's awesome. I think that shows that you've trained your mind to kind of be that way. I think I would have oh, felt yeah. that pain instantly. You mentioned it earlier. What did the voice in your head used to say to you? And what does it say now? So if you think of your younger self, if you mm -hmm. just let your mind go and you were doing a hard thing, what would your mind tell you? And then has that changed? Oh, for sure. First, there's the question, why are you doing this? Why do you think you can do it? And who are you doing it for? Those are all the questions that I would ask myself to either convince myself that I should not be doing it or to give justification as to why I was proving to whomever else that I needed to do it. And what has changed for me is always going back to a motive. And I discovered the importance of that through yoga. So you don't want to do something because you're trying to prove to someone else, well, I'm going to show them. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this, I don't know, skydiving. I'm going to go out and I'm going to skydive to show everyone that I'm not afraid. I can do it. No, you don't want to do it for that reason. You want to do it because it's in your being to do it because you have a fear of heights that you want to overcome. You don't need to question why you're doing it. Who are you to think that you can do something? Well, why not you to do it? So I have really had to change my way of thinking. And it came also too from watching myself because I would critique like my newscast, Allie. And I would sit and I would say, you need to straighten your shoulders. Uh, you need to stop using 
this word too much. You say, you know, too often. Stop saying that. Make sure that you're looking at the camera. Oh, just horrible. Just Mm -hmm. picking my own self apart. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that. It's not going to make me feel good. I might be a little more in tune with this because I'm an only child and that's just something that we have to do because we don't have any siblings to share with. But it's always helped me to think about what would your best friend say to you? How can you treat yourself like your best friend? Because your best friend wouldn't say that stuff. She would be honest with you about your newscast, but she wouldn't say it the way that you're saying it to yourself. And that's been really helpful for me. Best friends are really important to me because they are basically my siblings because I don't have any. So I treat my friendships like that. A best friend knows you really well. And so they're going to tell you things that they know will actually help you. Like that's what my husband is for me. When I was thinking about it and I had one of the questions written down of what helps me? For me, it's you're going to feel so accomplished after this. You're doing this for you. Kind of what you were saying. That's what I was having to tell myself during the marathon. I am obsessed with checking things off of lists, not just for the sake of checking them off, but because I do the things that I say I'm going to do. And that's been ingrained in me. My mom ingrained that in me when I was younger. If you are going to be in dance classes for a year, you are going to be in dance classes for a year. You don't get to quit halfway through because you've decided you don't like it. You said you were going to do dance for a year, so you're doing it. (laughs) Follow through. I'll want to give up because it is too hard. Mm. And one of the lessons in life is you don't really get to do that with a lot of things. So don't do it with the things where you have a choice, if that makes sense, because you can do it. Because there are a lot of things where you don't have a choice to keep going. Mm -hmm. So what you were saying about one foot in front of the other, I've had to stop looking at my all week calendar and just look at my daily because the anxiety gets real high when I look at that week long calendar because I'm looking at a week's worth of stuff Mm -hmm. with one day of energy. And I get overwhelmed because it doesn't match. And so I stopped doing that to myself. I thought I was helping myself prepare. And you can to an extent know, okay, I'm going to be out of town on this day, blah, blah, blah. But I was looking at the meetings hour by hour on Monday, Monday through Friday. It was a terrible idea for me. It wasn't helping me be prepared. I think that's good advice. And I think for anyone who's looking at something that's hard, it's important to remember that you can overcome every obstacle that you face because you have so far. Your story is a prime example. You're looking at that calendar, but then you're able to put your mind in check and overcome that and realizing that that is something to be proud of. And if you're ever faced with a new challenge, you can draw from that past experience and the strength that you gained from overcoming that to help you get through it again. It's really just about strength and perseverance. I don't usually love words that are not tangible. You don't think those are tangible? I have a hard time with perseverance. I don't really know how to muster that up within myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. It does help to kind of think of all the things that I have done to know that I can do the things that are in front of me. So what was helping me get up that mountain was the fact that I had already run four miles. If you can do that, you can do this. If I stop, I'm going to stop. And it's very hard, as we talked about last episode, about getting back into the swing of things when you've stopped a habit. And one foot in front of the other, literally or metaphorically, is something that I have to keep doing. It's just too easy to stay in one place. I want to share a quote that I heard at work the other day. I really liked it because... I resonate with it. Those who look at the glass being half empty or half full are missing the point. 
Either way, the glass is refillable. That's a good one. I'd love to talk about that in another episode about what we do to refill our glasses. Oh, wow. That's a great topic. The best analogy I can give is your car. It takes gasoline, right? Mm -hmm. And every now and then you got to fuel it up. You got to put gas in that tank because guess what? When it gets on E, it's not going to go. And guess what else? When it gets down to a quarter tank and that light comes on, giving you an indication, it's time to fill up again. Your car is not going to run as well if you don't. And if you do that repeatedly, if you're constantly draining the fuel and not replacing it, it's going to break down. So that is a great topic to talk about, the importance of refilling our cup. I have a quote that I want to share as well, and I think that this speaks to perseverance. Believe in yourself and know that there is something inside of you that's greater than any obstacle. That is what you muster to push through. And you did that because you didn't stop. You finished. I was really proud after. It was a good feeling. I know. We were both proud. We were like, yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're smiling. And then we're like, oh my gosh, what the heck? That was so I know. hard. I know. <laughs> and then we happened to, I looked it up and it's one of the hardest marathons in the country. So half marathons. Who knew? You probably did. Didn't tell me. No, actually I didn't. Oh, you didn't? I, okay. No, but I will tell you that I've got another one in two weeks. <gasps> yeah. Is it close? It's back home in Mich- in Michigan. Yeah. Holding myself accountable, I said on the last episode that I would write down three things I was thankful for. And that night I did, but I'm telling you now because here we are recording. One, my husband's my best friend. I'm thankful for that. Both of my legs work and I can run. I must have written that down while I was training. And then I'm thankful for the ability that I have to influence people. So with this podcast, but also at work, and I'm just thankful that I have been given that opportunity to somehow influence people in their lives and their work lives and hopefully their personal lives too. And that's what it's all about, really. It's creating that gratitude for yourself, recognizing it, and then sharing it with others. We are all here for a purpose. And I think that that purpose has a lot to do with helping each other out. One of the reasons why I said yes to this podcast. We are stronger when we all talk to each other and work on it together. Isolation, I think we found this in COVID, is the worst possible thing we can do. Well, thank you for discussing all of this with me. Well, I thank our listeners. Me too. And be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with others. It's all about growing and leave those comments and reviews in the section. We would really love to hear back from you guys. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. 